Welcome to Five. Aqua JPIA staff will ask guests five questions. The five questions will focus on pooling, water, risk, HR, and leadership. Five responses with valuable information for JPI member agencies, boards, and staff. Thank you for listening. Please welcome our host and guest for today. Hello, and welcome to season two of JPIA 5. We're really happy that you've joined us today, and I think we have a, a great, great show for you today. First of all, thank you to David Hodgen for that wonderful introduction and Cliff Diver Music. And remember, if you're enjoying this episode, we have a lot of others from season one. Don't hesitate to listen to those, subscribe, and leave a comment. It really helps us out. Today, I'm extremely happy to be talking to two people from our risk management team. And today's discussion topic is employee safety training. With me, I have Jesse Coda and Robin Flint. Why don't you introduce yourselves? Okay, and thank you very much for uh, having us here today. Uh, my name is Jesse Coda. I've been with the uh, risk department now well, about four and a half years. Uh, prior to that, I was uh, uh, working at South Coast Water District and Orange County Water District. Uh, been in the safety profession going on close to 20 years with some private uh, background there. So. Uh, hopefully today when we talk about the employee safety, I'll kind of bring some uh, some of those examples uh, out for our, our discussion. Great. And I'm Robin Flint, Risk Control Manager here at JPIA. Jesse is fabulous. He's down in our L.A., Orange County, Inland Empire area. And uh, I am greatly pleased to be doing this podcast with them today. I, as I am, too, because I think today's topic is extremely important, which is employee safety. Um, I know that one of the con uh, big points we raise with our risk management is our job is to make sure employees go home the same way they showed up at work. And today's really excellent discussion on that topic. So let's start with question number one is, what can members do to ensure employees receive the correct safety training? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, you know, one of the things that I get as I work with a lot of our members is, you know, how do we make sure that we're providing the right training for our employees? And the biggest thing I, I, I tell them, especially if they have safety professionals on board, whether it's a safety coordinator, safety officer, whatever level they're, they're at, is, is obviously understanding the operational uh, tasks of that organization. I always tell folks that in our industry, most of our department, you know, our members have water district or irrigation district at the end, but we all do it differently. And so starting off on the basics, you know, if your water operations or wastewater operations, that might lead you down, you know, whether you need to provide bloodborne pathogens training. And then, you know, you got your meter readers out there. Uh, you know, I always tell folks too to kind of look also on some historical uh, facts like, you know, maybe some of the claims they might've had. And, and we have a lot of ergonomic issues, lab personnel, uh, understanding lab safety and never forget office personnel. Uh, you know, we, we, we at the JPA sometimes see when we get uh, some sort of a claim and it's an office, it's usually because it was a chronic situation and therefore really didn't understand how to implement, you know, ergonomic uh, uh, best practices. So I tell folks, understand your operations, talk to the departments, you know, see what they need. And another thing is, Get out there, 
Get out there and walk around, you know, look, go and 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 stand on the corner of the street when you're out with the field operations. See that when they get out there, it's not just one thing they're doing. It's multiple facets, traffic control, uh, uh, trenching excavation, PPE, fall protection. I mean, there's so many things that you can go through. So that's my first thing is is always work with the departments, understand the needs of the operation, you know, the, of the district, the operation of what they provide. And uh, don't you know, and obviously don't ever hesitate to to communicate with us and ask us for assistance. We would gladly. I love coming out there and walking around and and you know providing some best practices. And I think Jesse, you hit the nail on the head with ask your staff, ask the employees out there. Uh, risk advisors will always be a participant as we come out and do our risk assessments and consult visits. Uh, and through those on-site visits, we'll maybe touch on some training subjects, but it's really your, your folks in the field or in the office to ask them about uh, what they may need related to safety training or always a resource. One tip and tool that the JPI did, risk, actually risk management team did during the pandemic, is we created a suggested training frequency by job classification. It's available on our website under the training menu. And if you have a little bit of challenge finding it, always get a hold of your risk advisor and we'll send you a hyperlink. You know, one thing I saw one time at a district, I thought it was great, was instead of always pointing out, hey, what you're doing is not safe or where's your vest, where's your hard hat or something, their risk advi- their risk person at the district, he used to talk about, oops, I caught you being safe. And he was always out looking to promote and give praise for good, safe behavior so that the his team got really behind that. They, they strive to be safe to get that um, acknowledgement that, oops, I caught you being safe. Yeah, I, I think uh, positive uh, reinforcement is is just as powerful, and and that's the type of relationship you want with. Because guess what you've done is you just built that relationship. In they're going to come to you, and they're going to say, "Hey, you know, they might even out themselves like we've been doing this, and what do you think we can do?" Um, so yes, that's the you know that's what you want is is understanding. A lot of times they'll see safety, and they think it's the us versus them mentality. So breaking that down, and that's great to hear that. Because that's what you're looking for. Would a plan help in ensuring safety training is completed? Absolutely. Um, you know, like we talked about, understanding the operations of the organization is one thing. But then, okay, how are we going to ensure that the correct training is being conducted? And um, a simple plan. I am, <laughs> I am not the smartest person out there. I love Excel spreadsheets. Um, I always tell folks, start off with... you. Uh, your um, your what you want to do for the year, and uh, and identify the the uh, the core trainings that you want to provide. There are some requirements. Cal OSHA is going to say, for example, if you have forklifts, you got to do it every three years. If you do confined space rescue, you got to do training once a year. You know, an entry to do rescue. Uh, there are some frequencies that we have to meet. Uh, the JPI provides recommended frequencies, and you can go onto our website. And you can download that one page that will give you a comparison from Cal OSHA and what, what they require and what we strongly recommend. From there is communicate again. And, 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 and you'll probably hear the theme uh, today is that communication with the departments is sit down with the department heads or representatives and say, these are the things that we need to get done in the next 12 months, calendar year, fiscal year or so. But what we want to do is get buy-in from them. 
And so by identifying, hey, in October, we're going to do confined space and even get down to we're going to do it on these couple of dates. And I always recommend if able, always have a couple of options due to operations. It's hard to sometimes, especially field, to get everybody off the off the roads or, you know, everybody in. So sometimes you have to do a couple of days and then you build that yearly training um, and then you now got commitment and everybody understands. So barring emergencies or something that unforeseen happens, the expectation is every individual is going to be there uh, to, to, to participate in the training and even follow on uh, uh, trainings uh, or, you know, the follow on years is kind of a plan and say maybe every month, every October, this is what we're going to do. And that only that, that takes into account too in-person trainings, you have online trainings, you have tailgates, and um, you can talk to your risk advisors. We all have samples and, and we can provide either things we've used in the past or what other members are doing to help out. And I like that approach on the training calendar. So having an agency training calendar is a great tool, especially if you need a reminder if it's the second year and next year I need to remember to schedule a forklift class. Some members have the availability of a training calendar through their HR slash payroll systems. But again, some of our members do not have that capability. If your agency doesn't have this option, do consider Vector Solutions. They do offer a training management system that allows an agency administrator is to set up user groups, assign training individually, and then also a, a schedule that training, whether it's annually, biannually. Um, that is that availability. I will say it does cost it's the cost is actually the labor. It takes a bit of time to set that up, but once it is set up, it is very user-friendly and ready to go. It's a great frequency reminder. It will email staff that they're due for a class, but it's also available for record keeping. So when they've completed the class, the agency administrator can note that and then also attach acknowledgement forms. So the labor cost is really just setting it up, but once it is set up, it's great to go. And we have our representative vector solutions that can always help our member agencies. You know, when you talk about uh, developing a training plan, there's also like subject matter experts. Uh, can experienced employees at the district itself help with the training development? Yes, and I would strongly recommend that you do use uh, those experienced employees as part of uh, uh, your training curriculum. Um, they do it every day. And in some cases, there are some standards that require the competent person, uh, you know, trenching or, or confined space or fall protection. Um, I've been in, I've been in a safety professional for 20 years and I've, I love it when I learn something new out there. And I love when I do trainings, I have that experience. I'm able to bring in maybe what the standard talks about. We got to do this, this, and this. But when you have someone, a supervisor, a foreman, uh, a senior uh, employee talk about, okay, when we're out there, especially if we're working in a certain era, they, they bring that real live uh, scenario to, to, to the uh, process there. So absolutely, it makes it more of a conversation than just me telling you what the do's and don'ts of something. It, it brings it in and saying, oh, okay, I understand how to get that. You, you also get buy-in, especially from the younger employees or the newer employees. And when you see that, that your, your leadership, uh, your senior folks are up there promoting what we're supposed to be doing and, and how we're implementing it, um, I think that just you know becomes, instead of having safety in one hand and operations on the other, it's molded together 
And therefore, at that point, you, you don't do one without the other. It just becomes one set uh, process. Uh, train to trainers. Um, um, I am a big believer of trying to bring as much as I can in-house uh, if, if we have the bodies and the time. Uh, for example, forklift, you know, I'd rather have one of our senior members be that because even though forklift is every three years, you might have a little incident or something and you might want to do a refresher training. So it's always great to have those folks in internally in there so that we can do those impromptu type of uh, uh, trainings. A specialist, uh, there's one one of our members has a safety department, but what they've done is they, uh, for each of the departments, like for an admin, they have ergonomic specialists and they've sent them to the school. One of the one of the schools we recommend, the back uh, safe school, great uh, two day training. And as a matter of fact, the JPIA covers up, I believe, 50 percent of the cost once you you finished uh, the training. But it's a great way to have your um, uh, competent person or your leader in each of those departments that they can provide, uh, you know, uh, information uh, to to the individual employee if your safety department's out doing something else. Um, so, so I think it's a great idea. You, you know, you wanna, you wanna work together uh, and, and I think it provides more effective training for, for the employee. And I would agree with that. The JPI is trained on by our risk advisors. We often share with our members our training and we love doing the training, but it's awareness level only. And so as Jesse mentioned, bringing in your person most knowledgeable, your subject matter experts, that individual doing the training class or, or partnering with the JPIA brings your agency one step closer to Cal OSHA's employer requirement of effective training. And as Jesse mentioned, I've uh, partnered with some of our members doing the training. And yes, I'll give the example of a confined space. I'll talk about the Cal OSHA standards, but the rubber meets the road when your competent person is out there saying that as we're digging to, uh, the hole to get to the pipe, we're not having the right shoring as we're uh, calibrating their monitoring. We have to remember to do X, Y, or Z. The conversation really leads to, from your subject matter experts in the class, really leads to that large step of a compliance related to Cal OSHA's effective training. Do you, uh, do you ever learn something at one district and pass it along to others? Constantly. All the time. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, you know, it's, it's funny. It, it, sometimes we do trainings quite a bit and in conducting trainings, you, you try to keep it lively and you also hear, you get those questions. So what do other people are doing and, or where do they go to find uh, information? Uh, so yes, absolutely. Uh, I, you know, one thing I love about the water industry is that we are a big happy family and we do share. And, and then us, at times I'll even provide them a point of contact and say, talk to so-and-so at this district. This is the way they do it. And I've even gotten feedback. Hey, I reached out. We're going to do a combined training, you know, because it's great the way they do it. And we like what they're doing and we're going to implement it here. So, so absolutely, um, you know, uh, like Robin mentioned, too, is is we come out and do trainings. And I like to believe our trainings are very good and in depth. Uh, they're recommended every three to four years, um, but they're a holistic view. They're a high level awareness view. I mean, we hit we hit all the major points. And it's a great refresher, kind of a dusting off the, the cobwebs there on some of the things. But uh, I, I don't think anything beats that, okay, we now know how to do that, we, you know, confined space. And this is how we're going to implement it here. Or this is what we're doing. And so when you mix in the JPIA type training with the in-house training, um, I think the employee in the end just gets a great, robust overview of what we do. 
And, uh, and then obviously you're always going to bring in those, um, you know, third-party trainers, you know, you don't forget your first aid, your confined space rescue. They're great. A lot of firefighters, <laughs> you know, do their own, uh, training out there and it's a great way to understand and, 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 um, and it, you know, it's, it's kind of a fun thing. A lot of the employees like doing those things, uh, uh, training where you go in and, and you do a, uh, a rescue, whether you have a, a dummy out there or an employee who likes to participate and act as a victim there. Uh, those are great hands-on. Uh, hands-on, I think, will never uh, uh, substitute the, the uh, you know, uh, as the best training, in my opinion. So, uh, yeah, you know, when, when it comes to in-person training or in-house training, I think that's your best. Uh, don't forget that, you know, as, as advisors, and, and Robin mentioned it earlier, we can correlate. I've done those trainings where um, I'm basically there to assist and, and, and it's a great way to to promote whatever topic we're, we're doing that day. And I appreciate Jesse highlighting what avenues members can do related to finding training resources. We are a huge advocate and the risk management team about in-house trainers, as he's mentioned, will come out. But again, ours is awareness level only. And uh, Jesse did great on highlighting third-party trainers were that have that specialty that we have to admit at JPA that we may not have that particular specialty. Uh, coming out of the pandemic, we got a lot of questions and calls from our members related to other venues. And so it's up available on our, on our webpage. Um, again, if you want this particular link, get a hold of your risk advisor. But the Safety Center is a great venue. There's one in Sacramento and there's one down in Claremont. Pacific Safety Center out of San Diego is great OSHA Institute, their authorized education locations out of uh, in, that's in California. That was something we recently learned. They do a lot of operations or ergonomic type training. These training venues that I've mentioned, the Safety Center, Pacific Safety, and a lot of the OSHA Institute's authorized locations, they offer training at their locations, but they also will deliver customized training at an agency's facilities. So great resources that are out there. And then a, a last bit that's a venue that I've seen is that some of our members are part of informal or formal groups. So WUSMA, the Water Utility Safety uh, Management Association, primarily out of uh, San Diego and Southern California, but you could be a member of that group and they will coordinate or offer some trainings. And I think, Jesse, you had one in the Inland Empire a group. Uh I believe, yeah. They, well, it's the uh, Ernie uh, that does that there. And, and as a matter of fact, some of our members there in the Inland Empire are even officers a part of it you know, uh, there, and they do their trainings about once a year or so. Correct. And if you're out of Sacramento, SALA, um, and those are our members that are around here with no SALA, they will offer some training. So we're available if you want some of those resources, but um, there's a lot of avenues and venues that our members can look and utilize as it relates to training. And never, ever hesitate to reach out to your risk advisor. They are a wealth of information and will definitely put you on the right path. So uh, last question, with regards to professional development, what advice would you give members who have safety professionals on staff? Yeah, uh, and, and this is a great, great question because we've had um, in, uh, members in the past year or so hire uh, new folks in, the, in those positions. And I would strongly recommend there's several, there are a lot of different courses out there, but some of the great courses you can do is the Certified Occupational Safety Specialist, the cost, uh, which um, I know the Safety Center down in San Diego provides a week-long course. 
It gives a great in, uh, input into the different uh, standards and, and how to provide training. I think a lot of times when folks come into the safety profession, they, they feel overloaded. You know, they think they have to be experts in everything. Again, I've been in this, uh, doing this for over 20, you know, close to 20 years or so, and I'm still learning. And I've learned to say, yeah, I don't know, but I, I'll go get that information. I know how to find it. So uh, the OSHA Institutes, again, like Robin mentioned, a lot of our different uh, organizations provide these trainings. Uh, you know, take take the, the confined space type trainings, take the fall protections if you um, have the qualifications. And so go get your uh, CSP, uh, Certified Safety Profession, uh, or the ARM. Um, all that can do is just better help you uh, provide that uh, service that you want to provide to, to your employees. And I would agree with the cost, the CSP and the ARM. I think that a good probably first stepping point is our operations PDP that we have at JPIA. We do have a supervisor in HR. A professional development program. But if you want to get a little more in-depth and breadth and have the professional association designations, cost CSP, and ARM are also great. I'm going to sort of wrap it up and say other great development resources and networking is PARMA, Public Agency Risk Management Association. PRIMA, it's National Public Risk Management. It's a national what I call PARMA. And then we have Kajapa and Agrip. That's more for pooling, but they will offer conferences and workshops for a variety of professions within our water agencies. So a breadth and depth of resources related to safety training, um, and we're always here to help our member agencies. Great. You know, Jesse, I, I, I really like what you say, and I'm going to uh, put you in the same category as Albert Einstein, who said, never be afraid to say, I don't know because you can learn some amazing things. Absolutely, yep, and it's true. And our members, there are some great folks out there. Um, every time I do training, I'm excited not only to provide, what, I'm, what am I gonna learn and how I can use that to help others out. So I think this was a great topic and I, and I really thank you for, for inviting us. Yeah, I think it was great too. I really respect the enthusiasm that both of you have for safety. And I know that enthusiasm exists at our members also. Well, this has been a terrific episode. Thank you, Jesse. Thank you, Robin. As always, thank you to everyone who puts to get this episodes and all of our episodes of JPI 5 together, including our producer, Molly Quirk. We're really happy to have her on board and makes my job so much easier. Uh, I'm now just the, literally the talking head. <laughs> Listen, if you enjoyed this episode, Find other episodes of JPIA 5 on all the podcast platforms. Remember to like, subscribe, and leave a comment. It helps us out a great deal. You can always email us at podcast at aquajpia.com. We're always looking for guests and topics and want to make this uh, the best podcast we can for you, our members. Thank you all and have a great and safe day. Thank you for listening to Five. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a five-star review and leave a comment. Have a topic you would like to learn more about? Email us at podcast at aquajpia.com. Thank you to Cliff Diver Music for producing our music. And until next episode, thank you for making us a part of your day. <laughs>